Are you ready to get your sports banter on? Brian Henninger, love child of Albert Einstein and Howard Gosell, with a body chiseled by Zeus himself. Brandon Sharples, a man who could beat Mike Tyson. In a spelling bee, together they form the At Odds Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the At Odds Podcast. It is Thursday, February 8th, 2018, and we have an excellent show in store for you guys tonight. Uh, I'm your host, Brian Hemminger, joined tonight, as always, by my co-host, Silky Smooth, Brandon Sharples. Brandon, how you doing tonight, man? Pretty good, man. Got a great episode for everybody tonight. It's been NBA trades. Uh, everybody knows that that's been pretty crazy today one of the, some of the things that happened during today's trade deadline is something i've never really seen at the yeah. trade deadline before we'll get into that and we'll talk about the ncaa um, signing day which i thought kind of lost a little bit of luster because of the early signing period in december uh you know so that's that, that's a couple things that we can talk about today um anything new going on with you brian any new projects any new girl scout meetings no Girl Scout meetings. I've actually been to a few rock concerts. Right. Oh, yeah. What'd you go to? I was so excited about the Girl Scouts meeting. I forgot to talk about. Uh, I, I saw Star Set on Saturday. Uh, I don't know if you know them that well. They're a good, solid, up-and-coming band based out of Columbus. Um, and then last night, I went and watched Nothing More in Columbus. So it was a good time. What's Nothing More? You never heard of nothing more? They're uh <laughs> now they've been around for a little bit, but they've like really broken into the mainstream in the past uh with their last two albums. They had the song of the year for rock for 2017. It's called Go to War. If you listen to rock music, you've heard them. Uh they they've I I would say their most popular songs are This Is the Time and Go to War. So if you look up This Is the Time, you've probably heard it, but you just didn't know it was them. Huh. So. I probably have to check it out. I'm yeah. bad with that I'll kind get, of stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll put both of them in uh, some gems. I'll, I'll put a song from both of them in some gems tonight. Let you guys check it out. See, we'll let you decide for yourself. But I, I'm a big fan of these both bands. They're, you know, typically most of my favorite bands were stuff that I was a fan of in high school, and guys that just kept putting out albums. You know, like Shinedown, Seether, Breaking Benjamin, all those guys. But every once in a while, there's some really good bands that burst onto the scene that I still dig. So try to keep me feel young a little bit. Yeah. But, I haven't really been anyway, to too many concerts, yeah. honestly. Oh, yeah, that, that's been a, always been a, yeah, that's always been a thing for me. Like, I go to a lot. I mean, I always go to Rock on the Range every year, but I don't just go to Rock on the Range. I try to, you know, anytime that there's a show nearby that's interesting that I have the time to go to, I try to go to it. I've probably right. seen Shinedown play, like, 12 times it's way too many times really <laughs> yeah man i'd like to go to i like to go to like a like a rave concert or something something where you, a lot of edm music because I, I like techno style music it, but it's not my favorite you but would I have really liked, like uh, it. I think the that, star set show yeah I, I like yeah. well 
I like every, I like it all the I like it when you co- combine it with rock music like techno with rock mm-hmm. and stuff like some of the shit that like Rammstein used to do back in the day and stuff like that. I think that's pretty cool and I think that that'd be an awesome show to go see. Or like Marshmallow the DJ, I think he'd be pretty cool to watch. <laughs> yeah, you would like, like the Star Set because they Star Set kind of combines like a little techno and rock and then. Uh, their opener was a DJ named Grabbits. And basically he just had a giant DJ set and a microphone. And he just sang to his beats that he had pre-recorded that he'd already designed. <laughs> hey, everybody loves <laughs> that shit. Yeah. I mean, it, oh. it wasn't exactly like my style for that show. I mean, it may be in a different setting. I would have liked it a little more, but I think it would have been right up your alley if that's like your thing for sure. And, and I'm, like, if it was in, like, a freaking club, that dude would have been off the hook. But it was at a rock show, so it was a little different. So he was getting a mixed response. <laughs> yeah, whatever. People people just need to be a little bit more open-minded, and, then you know, everybody can enjoy the same show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, 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 the way I put it is, if you get a bunch of people being negative about something, it just carries to the entire crowd, and it, it just doesn't allow people to have a good time. But it, you, it just because you're at a rock show doesn't mean you can't be open-minded by a little bit of different vibe, different sound. And I think if everybody kind of vibes with the same shit, then it kind of becomes more enjoyable to you. You know, that, does that make sense? Kind of. I mean, it just depends. Like, you know, everybody buys tickets to see the headlining act, and some guy in the opener is completely different. You know, it'll be it can be weird. Like I. We went and saw Foo Fighters and this mariachi band opened for them. And we were just like, what the fuck <laughs> is this? You know? I don't like mariachi. <laughs> I think that whole sound sucks. Sorry for my Mexican fans out there. See? I think mariachi is fucking terrible. And I lived in Arizona for you open your mind. five they years. Expand your thinking. resources, Brandon. What are you talking about? Hey, you know, can, there's no the negativity can <laughs> ruin the rest of the show. <laughs> Yeah, maybe if I got stoned as shit and ate some tacos, I might be in the mood to listen to mariachi. But I tell you what, I've been to multiple parties where they're literally listening to that shit. And it's like teenagers and early 20s, so it's like a big part of the Mexican culture. When I, mm-hmm. like, I remember when my son got baptized and my son's mom's half black, half Mexican. And their Mexican side like their big culture side. And... So we're sitting out literally, like, on the, I'm the only white dude there. We're sitting on the front porch, and they're just jamming out to some mariachi shit, like, straight up uh, Spanish lyrics and everything. And I'm, like, sitting there on the porch with the corona in my hand, like, just kind of nodding my head, like, yep. Yeah. How much longer do I got to fucking be here? <laughs> it, was, it was stupid. I swear to God. But, yeah, that's what that's the kind of shit you got to deal with when you – start crossing cultures, so, you know, I, I put up with it, and it is what it is, but yeah, I think that's, like, the worst music in the world, is mariachi. It always, it always is fucking me. Like, Cain Velasquez, when he was the UFC heavyweight champion, he's, like, the biggest badass in the world, and then he would come out to, like, goofy-ass mariachi music for his walkout entrance for his big fights, and you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> come on, yeah. man. I want more intimidating yeah, shit than that. <laughs> yeah, that dude, when's he gonna fight again? Speaking to him, fucking ever, or is he, you know, got a hangnail or something? He's always injured. He says he wants to fight um, at UFC 226, the the event where Stipe is gonna fight Cormier. 
So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, he's probably going to break his back or some bullshit again. Like that, that guy is never healthy. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Retire like, already. He literally got all the time. Uh, declined uh, by the athletic commission to be get a license when he was trying to fight his last fight. Like they said he had some yeah. like, issue with his spine or some bullshit. I don't know. It was fucked up. So it's not a good sign. Yeah. Like that that's about Never. the time where, you know, a baseball player's near the end of his career and a trade gets rejected for failing the physical, you know? Yeah. So we'll Dude, see what happens. Did you know I'm not optimistic you know we're, we're, about we're, Yeah, I'm never optimistic about that guy. Or half the UFC. Every time there's a big ass card, I'm always like, gee, I wonder who's gonna fucking drop out because they don't know how to train oh, yeah. properly. Yeah, that, that's already happened with the most recent two pay-per-views. Uh, the one that's on Saturday, it was supposed to be Luke Rockhold against Robert Whittaker, the champ. Whittaker gets hurt. So now they're doing Rockhold against Romero. And the next pay-per-view was supposed to be Frankie Edgar against Max Holloway. That's a sick fight. Max Holloway gets injured for the first time in his career, has to pull out of the fight. Yeah. Dude, so who do you who do you think's gonna win that fight between Cormier and uh Stipe? I don't know, man. Like Stipe's a lot bigger and Stipe is the better striker. So I mean I'm leaning Stipe, but I mean if Cormier can get that wrestling going and put Stipe on his back, which nobody else has ever been able to do, but maybe Cormier could do it because he was an Olympic wrestler. Um Yeah. Then who knows? I mean, it's an exciting thing to think about because Cormier spent the first half of his career fighting as a heavyweight. He basically dropped down because Kane was the champion. He didn't want to fight Kane because he was his teammate. Yeah. And now he's the champ and Stipe's the champ and they're going to fight and it's going to be fucking badass. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I think that'd be, that's, I that's think a, be a cool that's fight. A super fight. I'd like for Stipe to just fucking cave, like just cave him in, just like John Jones did. I don't like DC. You might. No, I don't. You might. I just don't like. Stipe's him. got power, he's man. Corny. He's corny. He's lame. <laughs> the lame corny dude. I didn't like how he tried to like go out of his element and be like a good shit talker with John Jones. I'm just like, you just sound like the most scripted douchebag ever. And I just don't like how he's fat. <laughs> That's just the way he is, like a man. That dude is yeah. a specimen, but like that dude, he's built like a freaking fire hydrant. Yeah. He's just not the when I think of somebody I want to look up to as a fighter. It's just for strictly fighting, you know what I mean? I, oh, for I fighting, yeah. I don't know. I mean, his, he's a damn good fighter, too. He just can't beat John Jones. I mean, that's pretty much everybody I, else. I, I know. I'm not ignorant, and I'm not going to say he's overrated. He's not overrated. I mean, he's done everything he needs to do. It's just when – I love John Jones. I don't give a shit how many fucking pregnant women he hits with his car. From a straight from a straight fighting standpoint, which is all I care about, like I said, my moral compass points in other directions when it comes to sports. Uh, I don't – you know, as long as you're not killing anybody, raping or pillaging, the, you know, anything or molesting kids or something, I don't care what athletes do. I absolutely do not care. They can do as many drugs as they want. I don't give a shit if 
their Jay Cutler smoking 20 packs of cigarettes. As long as Jay Cutler comes out and if he, if Jay Cutler was Tom Brady on cigarettes, I was, you know, I mean, I wouldn't care. Or, you know what I mean? Or say like you're a cop. If, if some Florida hasn't had a good quarterback in forever since Tim Tebow, mm-hmm. if you can, if you give me a quarterback that's been caught snorting Coke off a stripper's ass, I'll still love the dude. And I will still have his back 100% of the time. I would be that coach that would just go straight into the hood and just fucking gobble up everybody I can, <laughs> as far as recruits go. I would have, I would do no, I would nothing would stop me. I'm telling you that right now. I would be fucking getting investigated for recruiting violations every other week. I would. That's why everybody's like, oh, we don't want Chip Kelly when he was about to go to Florida. I'm like, you fucking goddamn right, we do. Are you serious? <laughs> yes, we do. I don't care what you have to do to get them to our team, but you get them. <laughs> you get all these recruits. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care how many secret checks you have to write. I have no problem with any checks being written to any kid. I don't have any problem buying a kid a car to get him to come to a school. I don't have any of that shit. I, if I was a billionaire, I would be writing the checks to get kids to come to Florida. I would. I don't have any problem with any of that shit. I, I, I have no morals when it comes to sports and getting kids to come to play. I'm just telling you guys that on air right now, uh, you know, my moral compass is in personal affairs, like treating people in real life with respect and, you know, doing the right things in real life. But when it comes to my sports, I, whatever they do in their own life is just different. It, I don't care. Uh, people are going to explain it to me in a different way. And they're going to be like, well, that is their real life. Well, you know, I don't give a shit again. Winning, me being able to shit talk Ohio State fans because Florida's finally good again is all I give a shit about. So that whether we look good to the press or whether we play good on the field, I'm going to choose the field and I'm going to make fun of Ohio State fans because Florida's finally good again. And that's all I care about. Florida has fucked me out of the ability to shit talk. And that's what my sports fandom is for. The only reason I'm a fan of sports is they'll shit talk people like Ohio State fans. And I have well, not been judging able to from do the 2018 recruiting standings, it might be a little longer before Florida's on par with Ohio State. I will tell you what, those are bullshit for one. You think they're bullshit? I don't really care about those. Well, I will tell you, this is why they're bullshit. Bullshit. Um, how do I explain this? Okay, and like a lot of the recruiting classes are ranked by how many recruits you have as well. You get a composite score. Yeah. So there's certain it's years. It's also based on there's certain feel of the recruit. No, of course, of course. But listen, like for instance, like the reason that Texas is number four right now, they have 27 recruits, which is by far the most. Yeah. In like, well, one more than Georgia and Ohio State, but by far more than a lot of the teams that are in the top 25 recruiting rankings. And that's what's uh, throwing them up because they only have one five-star and 17 four-stars, according to rivals. And there's other teams yeah. behind them that have, you know, six five-stars. And, you know, and, like, it's just that they have a smaller recruiting list, like Clemson. Clemson has six five-stars, but they're ranked eight. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee they have more impactful players in this in this draft class or in this uh, recruiting class than Texas does. You know what I mean? It's just the way that they composite the points is it's a little mis leading and it's, it's a little bit different. I think I, I hold more weight at the top of the recruiting, like say Florida's ranked 18th, 
but they did get Jacob Copeland, who's the top five receiver. And, you know, they had, they addressed some serious issues, uh, serious needs. They got, they, they got, uh, you know, everybody, every position of need that they needed on offense, they, they, they got Emory Jones at quarterback and, uh, he's a four star now, but he's a prior five star. He's kind of floated back and forth. And they got uh, Andrew Chatfield, who was a linebacker that we stole from Ohio State, who was a once a five star, and Malik Lingham, who was once a five star. I mean, like they just float, you know what I mean? So I feel like I, I, I'm happy with this recruiting class. It may be ranked 18th, but it was ranked way worse. It was like in the 50s and 60s at one point, like not too, you know distant past and once uh well copeland copeland's the one that we'll talk about later because of his mother but uh yeah copeland's one of the better receivers in the entire in the entire country and they got emory jones too who was the quarterback they really needed he's a dual threat guy really tough and yeah copeland like some you know some uh some like rivals has him ranked as the 24th best receiver, but ESPN has him at like six. You know what I mean? It's like, it just depends on what recruiting, you know, outlet is ranking the people. Like I remember when, um, Calvin, uh, what the hell Calvin Taylor, who was Fred Taylor's son. He was, he was the number one overall ESPN recruit period and the number one running back. And we got him, but then like rivals had him as like the number four running back. You know, I mean, just everybody has their own ranking system and everything. So, but I guess the way the way it's skewed is that you also doesn't you don't know how these kids are going to perform um, on the field. You know what I mean? You, you just never know yeah. because I, I remember oh, yeah, uh, that didn't pan out. What are, what are Urban's last recruiting class with Florida? His last full recruiting class was the best recruiting class ever uh, for the composite score. They had more five-star and combined five-star and four-star recruits in one big uh, recruiting class than any other team ever. And that, and that I think, was surpassed the maybe two years after by USC. I think it, some have Florida's that it's like 2010 draft class, number one, and some have USC's like 2011 draft class number one but they're they're all they're all up there and the class did not produce anybody of note really like we didn't even come close to winning another bcs championship or go to the playoffs for that matter and obviously we weren't going to go to the playoffs with that class but uh, we didn't have any bcs titles with that class we had uh it was the class that had like driscoll in it and stuff like that jelani jenkins and all those guys and you know, it just didn't pan out. So, I, I and you see a lot of like, you know, Ohio State has been having a lot of number one classes, and Tennessee had a bunch of top three classes that obviously have not panned out for them. And, um, you know, the only teams you really see panning out with their dra- uh, recruiting classes recently is Bama and Clemson. A lot of these other teams that keep you, you, you continuously see like uh, USC and Tennessee and and Georgia, up until now, they haven't really done anything with these recruiting classes. And, you know, quite frankly, people are a little bit surprised that Florida hasn't been as good lately. But let's look at their draft classes, our recruiting classes. They have not uh, recruited well. And Jim McElwain was a terrible recruiter. He's like, no, he's not a player's coach. He's just a douchebag. 
and uh, he didn't recruit well. And then we got, we got, you know, Dan Mullen coming in and he had very, very limited time and he already made a huge impact. So I can't, I can't imagine. Look what he did with the players at Mississippi State and those shitty draft classes. He, uh, I'm just going to call them draft classes. It's easier for me to say draft class. Shitty draft, cla- draft class. And uh, he still produced eight win seasons. And he still was had him at number one in the country at one point when they had Dak Prescott. And Dude, I think Dan Mullen is going to bring Florida back. And I'm not just saying next to I'm a Florida fan, but I think, you know, give him three years. And we're definitely going to be right there neck and neck with everybody else in the SEC again. We'll see. I mean, I've, I, I'm rooting for that because a good Florida is uh, – Florida being competitive with the rest of the country and being a national power is probably in our best interest just because I, I'm so sick of Alabama being the top. I, I want somebody else to start dethroning them more consistently. <laughs> but uh, I will say this. I think – you know, Ohio State has always had some good recruiting classes, but I think this year might be one of the best they've ever had. And it's not just that they had a lot of guys, too. I mean, the national rankings per position is disgusting for the Buckeyes this year. I think, let's see, I'm only going to list a guy's name if he was top three in the country at his position, okay? So they right. got Tyreek Johnson, the second best safety in the country, Tommy Toglai, the third best defensive tackle. Matthew Jones, the best center. Antoine Jackson Sr., the best defensive tackle. Nicholas Petit Ferrer, the best offensive tackle. Taryn Vincent, the another uh, first-ranked uh, defensive tackle. I don't know how that's possible. Two guys ranked one at defensive tackle. Okay. Uh, well, there's probably nose tackle, and then there's oh yeah, there's other you know what I mean. Okay, your lineman. Um, and then Jalen Gill, the second best all-purpose back. Jeremy Rucker, the second best tight end. Uh, Tereja Mitchell, the second best inside linebacker, and Brian Sneed, the third best running back. So I don't know. That that's just fucking nasty. And those are just the cream of the crop. I mean, I'm sure they got plenty of other really good depth guys like Wink. You know, I, I got a question for these for these recruits. And hopefully, I, hopefully one of them hears this at some point. Why do you go uh, to Ohio State? I don't know. What do you mean? Why are you going? Why are they going the to Ohio State? The NFL is littered with Ohio State players. Like, NFL is oh, just overloaded God. with Ohio State players right now. It's true. Like they consistently perform at the national level in college, and then they get drafted. Like okay. I think right Outside now, of Michael Thomas. Yeah. First, hold on, hold on. There have ever been. Okay, first of all, one outside of Ezekiel Elliott, all their running backs are are been bust city shit. Even Carlos Hyde has been okay. Um, Zeke's the bomb. I get it, but guess what? He doesn't even. He's he's an outlier at Ohio State. I've never seen a running back run like him before, for one. So I've always I've always admired him as a player. He's awesome. Um, their quarterbacks are trash in the NFL. None of them are good ever. I I've never That's heard fine. of a good Ohio State quarterback in the NFL. Receivers. Michael Thomas is pretty good. Outside of Michael Thomas, who's good? None. They don't have any. What are you talking about. Current? Who's in the NFL right now? Current, yes. 
All right, let's see. Who is currently her, in the, who is the NFL? Ted Ginn is like I. Granted, he's not the greatest, but I, Ted Ginn has always been good. Uh, but in in the NFL, Ohio State currently has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight receivers. Uh, Noah Brown, Ted Ginn Jr., Jalen Marshall, Braxton Miller, Davier Posey, Terrell Pryor, Curtis Samuel. Michael Thomas and Devin Smith. Yeah, man. That's eight receivers. That's a shit ton. And they have a long history of successful receivers in the NFL. Who? Carter? You know, of course, Chris Carter, but then, you know, David Boston, Ted Ginn, Joey Galloway. David Boston? He was whack. Joey Galloway? Whack. Of all time, at, at, not of all time, but at the moment, at his peak, he was an absolute monster. And then his ankles got torn. Yeah, yeah, because he's on roids. He was on roids. Yeah, of course his he was on roids. Big enough to support David Boston. So, oh, you players David can Boston. do whatever they to get good, but oh, if they were from Ohio State, oh, he's on roids. He sucked. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's nothing to do with him being on roids. Oh, I'm talking about the fact that. He had one good year in 2000, what, 2001. He had had back-to-back decent years. So he had two years in the league where he was decent receiver. Two two years, and he had one where he was pretty fucking good. In 2001, he had almost 1,600 yards, about 100 yards a game. So he had one good year. That does not make you anything exciting. I mean, how many receivers have we seen in the league come in and out have one good season? A lot. He's yeah, not. I mean, there's plenty Ohio more State, where that came not. from, though. You know, Michael Jenkins, Antonio Holmes. I'll give you see Antonio Holmes as a pretty decent. Okay. Michael Jenkins Didn't he win a Super Bowl? Not. Michael Jenkins was good, had a pretty yeah. good run in the NFL. Or nothing Dude, crazy. I just think Ohio State players are just so extraordinarily overrated. Every time I watch them, I'm just so unimpressed. Every time I watch Ohio State play, I just like, I see them moving the ball. I'm just like, how are you moving the ball? Like, when I watch JT Barrett run that offense, it's just spread out. And it's like, everybody knows he's running the ball. And he looks like he's running about four miles an hour. He's just so whack. And it's just so unappealing to watch. I'm just saying. I can't stand Ohio State. I can't even talk about this right now. You, it's just the fucking wackest school ever. Just, listen, just watching them play. Like, they're just running Florida's offense in Ohio with slower people. And it was a lot more exciting when they were running that shit in Florida. <laughs> they got lucky on a national championship they never even should have been to. And then, like, it's like, I, I love these Ohio State fans. They're like, oh, they should never even have been there. Bama won it, yeah, and they d- deserved to win it, but they never even should have been there to begin with. I'm like, yeah, what about when you jumped TCU, who was ranked third the week before, won by, like, 57, and then they somehow dropped out of the top four, and you flipped, you went on top of them, and you got you snuck in there and played the greatest game of your entire lives and beat uh, – far superior at Bama team that would have beat you nine out of ten times. And then you won a national championship. And I had to watch that and puke in my mouth about 400 times during that game. But, yeah, 
you never should have been there, but now it's a problem because you got skipped over this year by Bama. It's a bunch of bullshit. And last year you went over, you skipped over Penn State and got smoked 31 nothing. That's what I got. I just go by what I see. I just go by what I see. I mean, I, I just don't see the, Which I don't see the production. Incredible I, bias. It's incredible fact. Everybody, everybody gives Ohio State this credit that I just don't believe you deserve. I think you've been hoisted up in the poll era because before, before you won that championship over Miami, again, a miracle freaking that Miami team was one of the best teams ever created. I cannot believe yep. you guys won. I guess props to you for winning on that one. But that pass interference flag was horse shit. But anyway, prior to that, you didn't win a championship since the 70s. What was it, like 75 or 76, somewhere around there? Mm-hmm. And if you just look at the Big Ten as a whole, everybody's always trying to hype this Big Ten, and they always say it comes in cycles. The Big Ten was great this time, and then it became the SEC. No, the Big Ten was never great, ever. Because you won your national championship in the 70s, and then the, then nobody, nobody won a national championship for the Big Ten until you guys won it. Yeah. Or no, yeah, you had a half a championship, championship out of Michigan in 97, uh-huh. and then you didn't win another one until 2002 with you guys, and then you had a couple of close calls with Ohio State getting smashed by Florida and LSU, and then you finally won one in 14. But as a whole league, only Penn State and Nebraska won one in between them, but they were in the Big 12 in, with uh, Nebraska, and Penn State was independent when they won theirs. So the Big 10 has, like, so many championships in the 70s and prior that I don't understand where they got hyped up in polls all the time because the Midwest propped up football forever because that's where the networks were. We're, we're like right there in New York and uh, Chicago and you know what I mean? It was just like everybody thought of football back then in the seventies and eighties and sixties and all that shit. They thought of it as like Notre Dame and you know, Notre Dame from like the thirties and forties and fifties and sixties, you know what I mean? They all, Right there, there was like a Midwestern heart in the hearts of the Midwestern was football. And they polled everybody. And these polls were skewed towards whatever region they were in. It's way it's way different now. You get people voting in the Pacific, you know, that are still voting for teams like Alabama. Back in the day, they didn't do that. That's why Alabama claims all these national championships because – you know, they're one lost teams and two lost teams, and they're, they're pulling themselves from the South. Well, I think a lot of these poll wins that Ohio State had back in the day or top 10 in the polls are, are just because they're basically handed that shit. So I always see all undefeated. these you did it. I mean, that was They didn't, you, go, undefe- they didn't you, go undefeated. You just sound extremely bitter right now is what you sound. No, you sound like you don't want to face facts that – the Big Ten has been a propped up conference forever because that's where the money came from back I mean, in the day. You and just then, go back to the nineties when they didn't win all those national any national championships. I mean, basically Ohio State was the best team every one of those years, and then they would lose to Michigan at the end of the year because John Cooper was a piece of shit. Like he would always or recruit lost to Michigan teams. State. Yeah. No, it was usually Michigan. It was almost always Michigan. Um, yeah, but he basically got fired because he couldn't beat Michigan. Like they would pretty much enter the Michigan game as a, 
like a top five team and then they would lose it and then they would go win their bowl game. And that's pretty much rinse repeat every year in the nineties. Uh, you know, it wasn't until Trussell came in that, you know, things started turning around. He didn't, he didn't always have the most talented teams, but I mean, he could beat Michigan and that's when Ohio state started, you know, being a, a national threat again. But when they couldn't beat Michigan, then, you know, the big 10 has always been kind of propped up by Ohio state. They've always, you know, they've, Michigan and Ohio State have been the two teams that have kind of been there the longest with the longest rivalry, the best rivalry, the longest histories. Um, so, you know, they, they usually have been able to, to have the best teams. I mean, they, they're the teams, the schools that are known the best. They have the, the best history of coaches. Um, according to so, who? Like, the, according to who? I like 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 it's just they're just personalities. This 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 actually goes back to my article that I read where like that I wrote where I was talking about like the old timers like who like who, like Bo Schembechler like who the fuck did he beat like throughout his life? Yeah, according to who like you guys Ohio State like it was this rivalry that he like propped his name up like he didn't win anything ever. He never won anything. He just won eight games, nine games, ten games. You know what I mean? Like. It was just a rivalry, rivalry with him and Woody, you know what I mean? And then Woody, was, you know, he was a product of his time where he can run them, that bullshit offense and just slam it down. Oh yeah, throw three yards of crowd of dust. Yeah, so I'm not saying anything about Woody. I'm not, I'm not gonna go blaspheme and say Woody wasn't a good coach because I didn't live back then to know. But I know that, I know that he has, he has the accolades to back up being a legendary coach. But Bo Schembechler Beckler did not have anything that I could look that I've ever looked on him. And I'm like, why is he such a legendary coach? That's just, that's just me. I would say the reason he's a legendary is from 1969 to 1989, like 20 years, they were, they finished in the top 10 nationally 16 times and they won. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Uh, Michigan won 12 uh, Big Ten championships. So more than half the time he was coach, they were the champs. They didn't win any national yeah. championships, but he was a very successful coach. Like, he brought Michigan back to prominence. Like, Woody Hayes used to beat the shit out of Michigan consistently, and he turned it into a game again. Yeah. That's that's what he became well, get, known for, okay? I can get you. I, I, so I, I can get you there. I, I mean – and he I played under really, Woody, so I, that even added more to the rivalry. Like he was. A I, I know. I, I know that. I know that. Um, I just think that coaches, unlike players, I think players can still be held by their stat lines and their individual achievements, but coaches have to be judged by the amount of championships that they win. And and when you, when I I hear talk about Bo Schembechler. Schembechler being one of the best coaches of all time. And I'm like, where's the, where's his championship? I mean, he doesn't even, doesn't even have one. He doesn't even have one championship and a pretty weak conference, honestly. The Big Ten outside of Michigan and Ohio State and occasionally Penn State and maybe one here, here, and one year there, Wisconsin. You know what I mean? But I don't think he ever had to deal with a, a really strong Wisconsin team, did he? I'm not, you know, I'm not quite sure what it was by, back in the 70s. I'm not, Wisconsin, but they, I'm not privy to like the history of how good everybody else was in that, that era, you know, but I mean, he had a run from, let's see, 1970 until 75 
where he never lost more than one game a season. I mean, in 73, he didn't lose, but he didn't win the national championship. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Maybe they didn't play good enough teams, but. Uh, let's, look, let's look it up for our viewers. Right, let's right. see what happened. Notre Dame won it. There we are. Ohio State got second. They did how, how did you not lose? Yeah, there were a bunch of undefeated that. teams that year. So how does uh how does Michigan go undefeated and not play Ohio State? They didn't play Ohio State. They didn't play Ohio State that year. Yeah, I don't get. I don't know. It. I, I'm just, I was just looking up like some statistics and stuff. So let's see. There were Oklahoma was undefeated that year. Ohio State was undefeated. Michigan was undefeated. Miami was undefeated. Jesus. I guess nobody played each other. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I hate – I just don't like – I just yeah, don't – Notre Dame and Penn State were both undefeated. I think USC was that monster that year too. So, I mean, yeah, it's just – I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like I just – I don't like the old timers. <laughs> I just don't. I'm just not a big old time fan. I, I I don't I don't like that whole run it down your gut for three yards in a cloud of dust. I don't like that kind of shit. I just I find that that's what you that was what this game has evolved from. And and I don't ever I don't really give a shit about anything that happened before 1990. I really don't. <laughs> I, I I really don't. I, I I just think it's all it's all useless information it's just like kind of like yeah cool you have five national championships in 1940s and 50s congratulations the army tore shit up back then you know what i mean the 40s belonged to army it's just like it doesn't even register with me i guess i just i don't know i really don't i really don't care like i don't care who won the heisman in 1945 you know what i mean like any of that shit it doesn't it doesn't impress me because if you ever like go look at I'll even talk about um, Spurrier, Steve Spurrier. It was a was was a Heisman winner. Go look at that dude's stat line. All our listeners, I want you to right now get on your phones, and unless you're listening to us on a phone, and I want you to look up Steve Spurrier's stat line during his during his uh you know Heisman campaign. It's pathetic, and he won. And uh, I just see that all all the time. Like, who's a who was a Notre Dame quarterback? Was it Paul Hornig that won it with like a with a horrible stat line? And they were like three and nine that year. Their record it was just yeah. Anyways, Steve Spurrier uh, threw for two hundred two thousand and twelve yards and sixteen touchdowns. His the year that he won it. That's that's that was his stat line. You got to remember <laughs> though that was sixty five. Nobody was even passing the ball yet. Like he was setting records doing that. So, yeah, that's 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 what I'm talking about. Like, that's ridiculous to even compare eras. Like, I don't know. I don't even think that's setting records. That's yeah, not setting it did. anything. He, he back then it was. Look it up. He broke and, and every also, every Florida and conference records for passing and total offense. Yeah, I'm talking about national records. He did not break any national records ever. He broke every Florida had... record and conference record. Oh, give me a break. You're, you're gonna it's nineteen sixty five. 
What do you I know? Mean, I mean, who, who's who's going to throw the damn ball? It, it's just one of those things. Where, like I'm, I'm even talking about my own Florida Gator right here. I just yeah. And he led I don't, four. I, I think four, it's, or he led. Uh, I'm eight, right. I'm reading quarter right. comeback wins. How are you going to lead that when you're not throwing the ball? You're basically just handing the ball off, <laughs> and, and that's your quarter, fourth quarter comeback win. I'm just, I honestly just came out of nowhere. I, I, the only reason I'm even kind of stuttering on this is because I haven't taken any time to research half of this shit. This is just did my personal see, opinion. Did you see how he won he, the Heisman Trophy? What won it? Yeah, he won? found out. Oh no! What? what? What he did? Go ahead. Well, his team, the game was tied, and they were in the two-minute drill. And at the end of the game, he waved off the fucking place kicker and fucking kicked a 40-yard field goal to win 30-27. to 27. <laughs> That's, That's a cool. fucking badass. Come on. No, it is. I love Keith Spurrier. Um, but I, what I was going to say okay. is that he, he found out. Like, he found out. The, but he... Like was a trendsetter. Like he, yeah, no, he made. Fine. Like he he helped create the passing game. So of course his stats aren't going to be insane. Like they didn't. People didn't even know how to set up proper passing offenses yet. It just it was a part of the game that was still in in development. Dude, they when the hell did they invent the forward pass? <laughs> a long time before that. People, this is what I don't understand, dude. It, just because coaches were not innovative enough to create a passing game. Like, that's the thing I'm talking about. Like, coaches are like, what do you mean? Remember Ben Scotia back like, in high school? Yeah. We're in the year 2004, and we still weren't passing the ball. You know, back then, it was teams don't about pass the ball. how physical you could be. And no, just it's not back then. It's still like that. In high school, you still run the wing tee because the wing tee is a misdirection offense. Eastwood almost won a state title this year off the wing tee. I went and watched that mm-hmm. game too, but uh, that's high school. This is different. Nobody, nobody runs a wing tee in, in freaking college. You know what I mean? So the, you got teams like uh, Army running like the wishbone and stuff, which is kind of like a version of it, I guess. But I think the Navy runs like the full option. Yeah, well, that's hard as hell to, to defend. But that's just such a terrible offense to have if you're getting your ass whooped. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, I just. I find it like humorous to think about these coaches. Like, I, I I find the coaches that were innovative and created a passing game and took that by storm. Those are the coaches that need to be addressed as the top coaches in the in the history of the sport. Not people like Woody Hayes who just freaking rode his recruiting tailbacks back, you know, back to back to back to back all the way down until he freaking retired. Three well, yards, that's why here, I have four so much yards respect there. for uh, Paul Brown. Uh, the original Browns coach. Yeah. Like that dude. Hey, who he was hired. Hey, on this day today, he was hired for the, yeah. the to uh, to coach the uh, Cleveland expansion team in 45. So, and they later he named it after everything him. But, he uh, could yeah. To make that team better than everybody else. Like he, he invented the, the radio in the quarterback's helmet. <laughs> See, but he did cool. all kinds of shit. Like yeah, like they were like, like he he like a lot of shit he did would piss off the league. Like he was like the Belichick of his time. Yeah, I just think that I just don't like the old timers. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you that right now. I'm a new school kind of guy. 
I, I, I includes baseball, basketball, football, anything like that. I just, I don't have any, it's not that I don't have respect. That's, that's not even close to the term. I have all the respect in the world for those old guys. They, they, they were getting their asses whooped back then, you know, less safety and everything. And, uh, you know, people were meaner back then. And so I have all the respect in the world for the players back then, but it's a different era. It's harder to win now when you got, you know, you're throwing the ball all over the damn place. You have innovative coaches that, you know, you have coaches that are, you know, PhDs. You literally mm-hmm. do. You have coaches that are just mathematicians out there. And then you got, you know, the old school coaches, they're just grit. They're just grit and they just slam the ball down people's throats. And I just don't think that takes much. It didn't take much, and it, all it took was, a, you know, somebody to give you a chance to get out on the field, and everybody's just running the same shit all the time. It's just back then it was like, can you get the right players? Or right now, I think these recruiting classes we're seeing is whoever has the number one recruiting class, I don't see that you can have a strategic advantage even with the 15th recruiting class. Like, look at what Baylor was able to do under Art Bryles, and, you know, uh, Texas A&M, you know, came – came up with Kevin Sumlin for a while there and in what Florida did when they, when they had Spurrier running the fun and gun and, you know, they weren't very good in the eighties and the seventies, Florida wasn't, they were really shitty actually. And when, mm-hmm. and then the nineties, they were one of the, you know, the staple program there, you know, they won it in 96, they should have won it in 95 and they almost won it again in 97. And then, they, you know, they're one of the top five ranked teams throughout the mid to late nineties. And they brought that into the two thousands and, so, you know, uh, it was the innovative offenses that did that. And uh, I respect th- those kind of eras. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm just going to say that I just don't have I just don't have it for the old old timers, man. You can have your era, but, but don't, don't throw them down my throat like they're the best. You know, they're going to be on the top ten list of all-time greats, in my opinion. Oh, that's fine. So, I don't think that was ever part of our debate. Um, but, uh. Well, that was kind of I where I was going with. Yeah. Okay. Well, go ahead. Get your point. No, that was my point. I mean, oh. this kind of went longer than I thought it would. I wasn't really able to uh, to really. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't get to look at anything I wanted to speak about or anything. I just thought, I just started going off the wall on this. <laughs> so. Yeah. I um, did, dude. I I get passionate about this shit, but I, oh, I, I know. don't know. But see, this is this is the problem with doing that on on the show is because you're gonna start asking me a bunch of questions and you're gonna debate me and I need to be more prepared for this so next time I can well, destroy you your ass. You just gotta be careful about the, what you're claiming. <laughs> is all I'm because for I'm, me, I'm not. I'm not. Hold on, hold on. I haven't the, claimed anything. Right. I haven't claimed anything false. It's just it's more. It's instead of making my opinions fact based like I normally do. Now they just become my opinions. And they 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 appear to be biased. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to this show and I'm going to fact check everything I fucking say and I'm going to come back and I'm going to hound your ass next show. <laughs> hey, I didn't have That's anything uh, specific like with fact stuff that I was backing up. I mean, I, I would look up things if I thought you were saying something completely egregious. But uh, uh, no, what I wanted to get back to though was about recruits. I mean, yeah, you can go out and recruit an insane team, but you still have to coach them. Like there's a lot of these guys that are the big man on campus at their high school. And, but then they get to college and everybody's 
as fast and as strong as them. Like it, it all comes down to being coached and uh, actually applying yourself and being, you know, having the work ethic to match your athletic gifts. So, uh, you know, there's been so many guys that were recruited as like the top guy and then they fucking flamed out. So, oh, of course, actually, actually, uh, that there, so I was just reading this article. It's not really an article. It's more of a list. And it was a list of every Florida five-star. Because I haven't been doing five. I don't I think people think they did five-star, like, ratings and shit, like, back in the 80s. I, they haven't done this for that long, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a list of every five-star that's ever gone to Florida. And I would, I would honestly say 25% of them straight up bust like they they didn't do anything they either transferred out of florida and they were just or they were just trash and then i would say 50 percent of them were either productive or really productive and then another 25 percent maybe even a little less maybe 20 percent of them were superstars that end up getting drafted and uh, you know, a top one or two rounds of the, in the, the NFL draft. But that, that means like 75, per, 75 to 80% of them were just either okay players or busts. And that, and that, and that's just a true statement on that. So uh, I, I think that the five-star, there's a lot of five-star players. Like look at uh, Jacob Eason from Georgia. He's one of the top quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the entire recruiting class. And he was a highly coveted and he, uh, He's about, you know, he's transferring to Washington. He's out at Georgia. Do you know what's crazy? So the highest composite player in the history of rivals, which was the original, like, ranking system, this is the highest ranked player ever. His name is Brock Berlin. And he, I don't know if you guys remember him, but he's a QB, and he originally went to Florida. And he flamed out in Florida and ended up transferring to uh, the U. He, and he was uh, Miami's quarterback for a little while. And I think he was in the league for maybe a couple of years. But, yeah, he was the highest-rated quarterback ever. And he uh, and he flamed out at Florida. Didn't even I don't even know if he started any games. He might have, but he was shit. Yeah. So it's not it's not always how you know you're not always going to get everything out of these kids that you get that you think you're mm-hmm. going to get. I mean, we had the highest rated, uh, not just quarterback, he was the highest rated player in the history of recruiting. And he, and he didn't even stay. And he, and he didn't, you know, he didn't even, he wasn't even in the Heisman conversation. <laughs> and you think you're going to get that when you're getting the highest rated player of all time, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's just, a, he's like beyond the perfect example of somebody that, you know, why you don't have to put so much stock into a player until you watch him on film playing at that level, you know, I, I, I kind of think the same thing with the Michigans, like that Rashawn Gary, he was ridiculously hyped coming into uh, college the last couple of years. And t- this year he finally started to play a little good, you know, a little decent. And was he like an all big 10 and at defensive end? Do you remember him? I think Rashawn yeah. Gary. He's from Jersey. Yeah, the, but uh the guy for me that always yeah. comes to mind is Ohio State quarterback Justin Zwick. I think he was the number one quarterback when he was recruited. 
like nationally, and it was a yeah, huge went, deal. He went to and he, he went to Ignatius, right? Yeah, I think he was from a Massillian area, and he uh, came in thinking that you know Ohio State's just coming off the national championship run. It's his t- it's his time. You know, the Buckeyes were expected to you know contend for the national championship again, and, and you know what? He just sucked. And Troy Smith took his job, and then Troy Smith started for three straight years, uh, and ended up winning, uh, beating Michigan every year, and, and it was it was crazy. And Zwick barely played for until he graduated. <laughs> the only thing he ever got yeah. to do was go play in the Senior Bowl. Like he never yeah, did Troy anything. Smith came from Troy Smith came from Glenville, right? He came from uh, yeah, same school as uh, Ted Ginn, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Glenville. He uh he was super tough. He either went to Glenville or Canton McKinley. Who was the stud that was went to Canton McKinley? I'll have to mm. there was a there was a I'm stud almost certain it was from Glenville for Smith. Yeah, I think it was too. But Glenville is cool. Glenville is sweet. Uh they had uh Ginn's dad was their coach. Yep. And he was also like a big in the track and everything. And he had that little that little bus that he had his own like big bus and he would take uh like a bunch of all great Ohio players to like different camps and stuff. Yeah, I remember that dude. He was pretty good. Mike was Doss a, was uh Kenton McKinley. Was he? Mike Doss. There's a couple other people. Kent Some McKinley was a big Kent McKinley was awesome in the late nineties, like ninety seven, ninety eight. They they were they had some nationally ranked teams. I think a lot of people like around the country don't really understand how tough Ohio high school football used to be. I mean, it's still pretty good now, but there was a remember when Herb Street brought that um, classic there to Ohio, the Herb Street classic, mm-hmm. and he would bring teams from like Cali and Florida. And these teams were all ranked like top ten perennial national powers, and they would come to Ohio, and even if they would win, they would, you know, it'd be like a twenty-five, twenty-seven game, like. That's when they started giving Ohio more recognition, like teams like St. X and Elder and Moeller and Ignatius and Coleraine and all those all those teams um, started getting more national recognition after they, you know, they're bringing like Long Beach Poly out and, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas from Florida was coming up and losing. And yeah, it was, it was cool. I, I actually went to the uh, – I went to that game when Cole Rain beat um, St. Thomas Aquinas, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, dude, high, high school football in Ohio is no joke. I think it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, tough. It's, it's smash mouth football, but you got you got teams like uh, Cole Rain running the triple option, but then you got teams that uh, spread it out like Moeller, and it's pretty cool. It's, it's, you're gonna get a little bit of everything in Ohio, I think. So yeah, what I find interesting is. The Buckeyes class is so good this year, but they don't have a lot of Ohio players. Let's see. Out of the 26 players on their class, three, four, five. Only five are from Ohio. Well, honestly, like every time Ohio State would get like a big time, like Ohio recruit, I never really put too much stock in it. Not just because it's Ohio State, but because I've noticed that Ohio's, High school football is tough, and they and on national scene they've had some games where they beat some top national teams, but they're more they don't really have any big time players when they come out of Ohio. <laughs> just sad as that sad as that sounds, like 
I mean, I'm, everybody's going to be like, oh, bullshit, I can name such and such. But, yeah, think about how many high school players come out a year and you're naming, like, 10 for the whole mm-hmm. your whole life. You know what I mean? Like, you can you can name 10 in, from one district in Texas. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's different. You know, how high school football is more of a team sport. You got a bunch of Midwest kids playing hard-nosed football, but they don't translate well to that speed game in college. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, it makes plenty of sense. I mean, yeah. there are specific guys, obviously, you know, like Charles Woodson and shit, but. Oh, that's what I'm saying. You I can name you them. Yeah. It's just you're not going to get a big bundle of them like you would out of Florida and Georgia and Texas and mm-hmm. Cali. And, and I know yeah, they're bigger like states. Florida, and... Texas were like the primary targets for uh, Urban Meyer this year. That's, like, I, I mean, they were literally from everywhere, though. Like Virginia, I'm yeah. still, let's see, Pennsylvania, California, Texas, uh, Missouri, New Jersey, Virginia, uh, New York. Tell you what, man, George is coming up as a high school. Idaho. <laughs> Idaho. Fucking Idaho. I like Trevor Lawrence. So I'm a big QB guy, and I there's two QBs in this in this. Uh, freaking uh, recruiting class that I'm like in love with, like from a strictly sports standpoint before anybody becomes mm-hmm. stupid. But Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, who obviously are like the top two quarterbacks. But uh, I like them for different reasons. I think Justin Fields could honestly take the starting job at Georgia next year as a true freshman. He's that good. That He's so talented. I watched his, uh, I watched the rivals, the, or they had like the, the summer thing that they do and mm-hmm. um, they have the Nike elite 11 that they do. And uh, Justin Fields, man, you get to watch it online and he looks so crisp. All his throws are just amazing. The dude's shifty. He can run all over the place. He's like kind of like Vic, but like he's more accurate and a little bit slower, obviously, but he's still super mobile. And uh, so he's like a slower, he's like slower than Vic. He has a better arm than Vic. <laughs> so he's kind of like shifted a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, but the dude's a monster. He's out of Georgia and uh, super talented. And Trevor Lawrence is out of Georgia too, and he's going to Clemson. He's your straight up stay in the pocket, tall as hell. He's like a tall 6'5", 210-pound skinny guy. He has sunshine hair from like uh, Remember the Titans. So he's got that like, real long hair. Blonde hair. <laughs> that dude slings the ball. He's got a cannon for an arm, and just on the even on the run, that dude just throwing darts. And he's a big player you need to watch out for. So Trevor Lawrence, and I know they got Kelly Bryant at Clemson. So I'm not sure what they're going to do there because Kelly Bryant, he's a freshman this year, right? So they, they, I mean, he's he's your typical mobile quarterback. I don't think he's getting drafted early out of college either. So Trevor Lawrence going to have to beat out Kelly Bryant if he wants to get some playing time, and I, I think he can do it. But if you don't, come on down to Florida, buddy. <laughs> we can use a nice pocket passer. So, uh, but yeah, I, I really like that. And uh, I like those two players the best out of the draft class. I'm a QB yeah, guy, so I like that. Quarterback was the one weakness in Ohio State's draft class or recruiting class. But, I mean, I don't think that was that big of a deal because they already had three quarterbacks on the roster, and two of them are really fucking good. Uh, that Dwayne Haskins. Haskins is good. Yeah, and Burrow is good too. You got Tate Martell, who's 
really good too. He's like a little Johnny Manziel out there. Mm-hmm. From uh, yeah, that poor guy's third Nevada. on the depth chart too. I'm yeah, I'm huge on Joe Burrow. I thought that he's gonna be a monster. I, yeah, I, and that sucks. I hope Joe Burrow actually beats him out. Joe Burrow is so good. He is They're so both good. I actually good. watched him on like, on TV. Ohio State's offense is gonna be so much better next year without JT Barrett. Oh yeah, you know how I feel about Barrett. Barrett's garbage. Yeah. But dude, I'm just, I'm just so, praying that Urban Meyer doesn't include like a QB run for four yards play like every other play like he did with Barrett. Um, you know what? Haskins is actually fast. I don't know why people think Barrett was a good runner. Barrett was a shitty runner. He had I didn't think he was mile a wide runner. lanes. He's a terrible runner. He wasn't that He's fast. a terrible runner. He's not fast. He's not shifty. The dude was running through like train wide holes that your awesome offensive line was making for him. Your offensive line was from a Buckeye hater. Your offensive and defensive lines are damn impressive. I mean, there's nothing that anybody can take away from that. Like not me or any other hater of Ohio State. Your lines are awesome. And uh, he was running through, you know, as wide as my living room. This dude was having holes and it's like ridiculous. Like anybody can run through that. But if you get somebody like Haskins, you can run faster. I'm sure because I saw it. Well, even Burroughs can run. Joe Burrow can run. And uh, Tate Martell, those guys, more they're going to make more – like, Barrett would just run through these holes and just get smashed. We're like mm-hmm. Haskins and Burrow and well, – probably not so much Burrow, but, like, Martell, they're going to be shifty enough to even make extra yardage out of these holes. So you are going to be better. I, I, I mean, firsthand, firsthand from me watching, I think about it will be better next year than this year. So yeah, I probably have to watch you guys win some another ten or eleven games minimum, but uh, and then choke yeah, in some random game where they shouldn't. Yeah, and I'll and enjoy not, that too. Not win at all. <laughs> That's probably what it's yeah, going no, to be. I'm not used to it. You're you are going to be tough. I mean, Ohio State will be tough next year, and uh, you know, there's nothing much I can say about that, but. I don't like Georgia being tough. That sucks because we got to play yeah. them every year. And Coming off the national they are, uh, finals with the best recruiting class, they're going to be a problem for a long time, I think. Their recruiting class is really, really good. Like, really good. One of the best I've ever seen. That sucks, too, because it seems like Kirby Smart knows what he's doing, so he's actually putting it together and Florida's got a lot to a lot of work to do, man. I'm I'm not too excited about that. So I don't know. Hey, let's get into this NBA our NBA yeah, trade deadline. It's been a fucking hour. <laughs> Who cares? Our show. We don't even have any I callers know. in right now, so they're probably acting like people are just so fucking stupid. Just start calling in. If you if you're listening, just give us a call. Like honestly, we're here to talk to you guys. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I don't know where the calls dropped off, but I'd like to get some more callers on here. Maybe maybe we need maybe we look into the different platform because of the way our audio has been looking at or sounding in live. But we'll, I we'll haven't talk heard about anything that. about the audio being bad, so we'll see. Well, like, we just I, need I, to... Blaine, Blaine said we were choppy tonight again. Again? So yeah. So I just don't you understand it. We we're sound not fine. choppy when I list when I download it. You know. It just is, yeah. I we're not choppy. Yeah, we're not choppy like, right anything. now. Like when I yeah. Mm-mm. Nope. I so, our mics are good. Our headphones are good. Unless yeah. we just want to stop doing it live, 
which I don't want to do. I like having a chat no, room. I like having uh, callers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying too. So no, I don't want to do that for sure. Um, but yeah, hey, yeah. Let's get into this trade deadline. Um, everybody's talking about the Cavs and how they basically imploded their team and and, and rebuilt it. Uh, rebuilt an entire team in the middle of the season, which is, <laughs> this is what I was talking about, you know, an hour ago when we first started this show is yeah. that did I, what, what I haven't seen. Well, see what I haven't seen before is I haven't seen a team do three deals like that. You know what yeah. I mean? They did three small deals that like added up to a mega Two of them weren't small. I mean, the Wade one they're, was small, they're small, but the other two were big. Small in the eyes. No, this is what I'm saying. They made – I'm not even counting the Wade deal. The Wade deal. I mean, I don't even know what the hell that was about. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm talking – they're small deals as in George Hill and Rodney Hood are not like anybody – that anybody's going to think of as a mega deal. But when you add mm-hmm. them all together and Larry Nance Jr. and every, you add them all together, it was a major difference for this team where in the past oh, – yeah. I've never, I've never really seen a team do that at trade deadline who was like so close to they're they're so close to like going back to the finals. You know what I mean? Usually they're trying to make like a mega deal, like they could have got uh, DeAndre Jordan or you know what I mean. They would have went for like mm-hmm. a big guy like Tyreek Evans or something like that. But instead, they found the pieces that they need, and I think the Cavs got way better. I think they got way better. They got younger. They got some links. Um, they got younger is the biggest. They got and they got way better yeah, they defensive. Got, yeah, and they got better defensively. They got length. What I said, but the length, and they can guard, and they got uh, Hood and taller. George Hill are, are, impro- are taller, and they're an improvement on, at the three. Um, they can shoot the three better than the guys that just left. And Larry mm-hmm. Nance is a nice player. He's a nice player. Yeah. He just kind of he was just hiding on the depth yeah, chart. He's an extra uh, forward that they need. Yeah, right now all they got playing forward the, is like Tristan Thompson, and. When yeah. when he's in, when he's healthy, Kevin Love, but he's out for a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. Nance is going to slot I, right in. He's good, and uh, he he and was very productive on a per. Too. Yeah, well, he was very good on a per minute basis, uh, and in L.A., like he's kind of stuck there, you know, because the most productive players on the Lakers, like Randall and um. Randall and stuff, he was like, they they were the most productive players on the team. So he was kind of slopped, you know, stuck there. Like, he per, for his per minute, how the hell do you even calculate this? On a per minute basis, he's he's definitely one of the more productive people on the Lakers. So a stat line that people, if they're just going to go look at Larry Nance's stat line, they're going to be like, eh, he's all right. But you got to look at a per minute basis. And from a per minute production, he's, you know, he's right up there on the Lakers team. So. Him and him, Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle all kind of sharing some time and Kuzma and all those guys. And so, yeah, he was a good player. So I think the Cavs definitely got better. Um, I think that they're not anywhere near what they need to be to be Golden State. I think that's just a no. lost cause. They did they did what they needed to do to get better in the East, and I think that they mm-hmm. they probably are as good as Boston. But uh, I think that. Um, what did I say? Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, okay. What I anyway. find most interesting is, do you remember that meeting that people were talking about from like a couple of weeks ago where everybody ganged up on Kevin Love? Like mm-hmm. that you heard about? 
Yeah, all the guys that were the antagonists in that meeting that were shit-talking love, they're all gone. All of them. Rose, yeah, Wade, and Wade yeah. Thomas, they were the ones, apparently, that called out love in that meeting, and they're all gone. <laughs> you know, Wade, Wade is a shell of himself. He was just, you know, yeah. weighing the team down. Like, Derek Rose was a head case as much as he was injured. And Isaiah Thomas was, just, it couldn't, was not very good. I mean, he wasn't shooting well. He wasn't defending for shit. And he just was running his mouth. So, fuck that guy. Yeah. I, I, he was a cancer to that team, um, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. And, I'm sure uh, that they celebrated it, that he's gone. Yeah. So, he, yeah, they got rid of all the, the right pieces. Derrick Rose is like – I can't – I forgot he was even on the fucking team. I'm not even kidding. Like, I thought that he, they they waived him already because he's, he's always having some sort of mental – he was like – he's like the most mentally weak player I've ever seen in my entire life. From any sport, Derrick Rose is the most soft, mentally broken player I've ever seen in professional sports. Two, I'm not even like exaggerating. Do you remember when he missed like an, another additional season just to get his knee healthy? Remember mm-hmm. that? Like he, he missed way more time than he even had to. He was already cleared, but he wanted to give himself an extra season. <laughs> it's like, bro, it didn't work because you were trash when you came back and you were even worse for Cleveland and worse for the Knicks. So, yeah, he was just, he had that one season where he stole the MVP from LeBron. And then other than that, he was as mentally weak as you can possibly get. And in this season, it wasn't – everybody thought he was injured, but, dude, not from what I was reading. I read that he just had some mental breakdown and he just needed some time away from the team and all this other shit. And it was just – they needed to let his ass go. They could have replaced him literally with anybody then it would have been an upgrade, which is crazy to think about having an MVP like that on your team and he was just a lost space. You know what I mean? Like him and – Wade, like, I kept putting Wade in thinking that, man, he's cheap as shit on DraftKings. Like, <laughs> he's bound to blow up, you know. I'm getting him for 4800 5000 and I'm hoping I can get at least yeah, 30 out of him. And 36 he, years old. Like, you know, his knees were knee. bad, like, four years ago. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he, he I, I, they got better. They got better. They, they could definitely, definitely win the East because the East is so terrible but they're not good enough to be a lock in the East and they're not good enough to win against anybody that comes out of the West. Yeah. They'll be at least but competitive I think, I think, again in the East, which I mean, yeah. and they got to keep, and I like, I don't think they were allowed to trade that one draft pick that they got for in the Isaiah Thomas, uh, Chris Paul deal. No, they can't. Not Chris Paul, but, uh, no. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um. Anyway, okay. he Jay Jay Crowder, but uh, yeah, Crowder is gone. All those guys, but um, Clarkson can score. They got a scorer finally. Mm-hmm. I think Clarkson's gonna slide in nicely. So yeah, they did good, man. They got a they, bunch of they scores. Some they of their defense, and they kept some of their depth. I mean, they still got Jr. They still got Corver. They still got Thompson. They still got Love. They'll be fine. Well, what they did was they they, they created this like situation where there's no longer a log jam. Now mm-hmm. it's Clarkson coming off the bench, you know what I mean? He's their sixth man now. And, uh, you know, they don't have Wade and 
Rose and anybody else that wants to pretend Shumpert that wants to pretend that they're, they're, uh, you know, the sixth guy, you know what I mean? It's just, they're just rotating bodies out of that spot. Just hoping to be, you know, hoping they can get some production back from somebody and defensively they needed an upgrade. I mean, they couldn't keep giving up 30 points a game, you know, that shit was crazy. So I thought they I did well. I want to point out something I, hilarious that has nothing to do with the Cavs. What? Uh, dude, Alfred Payton in the NBA tweeted yesterday, if you ain't good, you gone. And then he got traded. <laughs> For second round. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> if you ain't good, you gone. He's like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have talked. <laughs> no, man, it's... it's uh. DeAndre Jordan getting traded. Everybody thought DeAndre Jordan was going to get traded, but I guess they needed um, – L.A. wanted way more than anybody's willing to give up for him. He's, you know, he's a limited player. He's terrible at the line. You know, all he is is rebounds and blocks. And then uh, Tyreek Evans was supposed to move for sure, and he didn't go anywhere, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, um, who else was supposed to go? Marcus Smart. Uh, Boston was looking at getting value for him, but – Nobody was willing to give up what Boston wanted for him. And yeah, man. And some of the jazz players didn't go like Derek, Derek favors and stuff. People were looking at them and, but uh, I did guard uh, magic. The magic sent Alfred Payton, Alfred Payton. He spells his name with an E, <laughs> but yeah, they sent for a second round pick. And he's a pretty talented dude. He went to the Suns. Suns are trash, but they need, you know, they, they basically needed a point guard. Big time, you know they've had some issues with uh, with uh, injuries, so and they dealt uh, blood, so so they don't have him anymore. He's in Milwaukee, but yeah, they didn't get anybody. And I, it looks like the uh, who did a lot of work this trading season is uh, Detroit. Make it make some moves. They got Blake Griffin and it I mean, I don't somebody today. Oh yeah, uh, Enos. Tyler Enos, right? Mm-hmm. The, uh, our James Enos, I actually like to, I like to low-key move by the Celtics signing uh, Greg Monroe. Yeah, I actually didn't even know they got him. I, I was yeah, looking up literally today for, uh, recently. for yeah, for DraftKings, and, and I was like, oh, shit, he's on the Celtics now. That was a decent move. I don't, he, he's kind of an anomaly for me because – it seemed like sometimes he'd be super productive. And when he was in uh, Milwaukee, he was pretty productive when they were playing him. And it just seems like you ever you ever have these things where in your head you're and this is in any sport and you see these players that are actually productive on the on the court or on the field, and you're just kind of like, why don't they play more? You ever wonder like what the coach is seeing and that's different from what you're seeing on TV as to why he doesn't put his more productive players, seemingly more productive players on the, on the field or court. I always wonder that. Like, I never really understood that. Or like, you see, t- you see players that are like super productive and then like, you just, they're just minutes fall off. And it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, mm-hmm. like Greg Monroe was one of them. And then they trade it. And then Phoenix trades them. And so you're just like, kind of like, what the fuck? He was doing pretty good. A couple, of, like for like three or four games in a row, he was scoring like over thirty fantasy points. And I was like, hell yeah, dude! And like he's cheap as shit, and he's only getting like eighteen to twenty-five minutes. And I'm just like, dude, this dude's way outscoring his 
minutes a game and and I was like, what the hell is going on with Phoenix? They're terrible as it is. Why aren't they trying something different? And they just kept playing Tyson Chandler. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah, man. NBA is an interesting game, dude. It really is. I don't quite understand how the, how these players don't translate from college to, to the pros. And, and some of these guys that, you know, you never heard of end up being stars or at least important role players, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of it boils down to luck, injuries, work ethic. Luck is a huge part of it. I mean, I remember watching Greg Oden when I was there, the Thad Five, remember? Uh, yeah. And he was supposed to be the fucking God King, you know? And and he was. When I watched him play, I mean, he had such a tremendous impact on the game, even with a fucking broken like hand. Yeah. I mean, it was so nasty. The, what he would do to people with blocks and ferocious dunks. Um, like, he just had everything. And then his knee just fucking would not heal. Like, he kept tearing his knee. And uh, and he never got healthy. He never had a, a full NBA season. And he got drafted one. Durant got drafted number two. I mean, one of the biggest busts ever. And, and, yeah, and I can you tell know you what? Right I don't know. Watching him play it. At his physical peak, he was fucking amazing. No, I don't. I don't create busts like in my head uh, of players that are injured. There's nothing you can do yeah. about that shit. Um, and even like like with Sam Bowie, like the whole Jordan thing, like he was drafted ahead of Jordan. You know, Sam Bowie had a lot of injury problems and stuff. It wasn't his fault. You never know what could have came with Sam Bowie if you mm-hmm. know he would have been able to play healthy and go to the right the right team and you know it is what it is you never know what jordan would have became what if he didn't go to chicago you know what if jordan went somewhere else and he just did not fit there he didn't have the phil jackson you know what i mean he didn't have the right the right offense to run and like he you know people didn't believe in him the way that they thought he you know he should and you know things things happen like that all the time and it's like right now i'm i've I've noticed that Michael Beasley is actually doing really well for the Knicks this year. And I thought mm-hmm. that he was going to be out of the league because he was, you know, doing shitty for the heat. Yeah. He, he, when he came out of, from, remember, he had to go to remember when he came out of, yeah. Remember when he went to Kansas, uh, Kansas state, he was one of the best players in oh, college. Yeah. He was the top recruit. And yeah. And he was one of the best college players that I've seen in a long time. Not the best I've ever seen, but he was one of the better ones I've seen. And, uh, I just don't think he ever went to the right place. They never used him right. And now he's kind of like more of a focal point in the, in the Knicks. They need him. And now that uh, Porzingis is out for the year, uh, Beasley's getting a shot, and he's and he's and he's producing. He's producing great numbers, and uh, he's no joke this year. So uh, Be- Beasley's on the rise, and I think it's just all about the right place at the right time. And that's kind of like how we get we need to go back to like these recruiting rankings and stuff. It's like these recruits, you know, they pick the school that they think is the right fit, but, you know, they never know who's going to come in the, in, in the next recruiting class and take their spot, you know, or even two two recruiting classes. There, you know, there would be a sophomore in high school right now that's going to take that five-star job. You know, you never know. Mm-hmm. And um, you just got to go to the right fit. And a lot of these kids, they don't end up at the right fit right away. They And they want to go to the NFL, so they get, you know, caught up in Ohio State and they get caught up in – Bama and Georgia and all these teams that are just saturated with players and 
they all think in their mind that they're a superstar. They're going to, no matter what, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be starting and it's their spot and all this other shit. And I can't tell you how many five stars went to Alabama and died, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's all the right fit. And, and that's that. I do want to hit real quick before we, we stop uh, that Jacob Copeland situation. I was going to talk to you guys about his mom had Bama had a Bama sweatshirt on and a Tennessee stocking cap on. And she wanted her son to be Bama. But she would have been okay with Tennessee, apparently. When he chose Florida, she literally is sitting next to him on national television and just doesn't say a word to her and gets up and leaves her own son. Walks out on her own son because cause she didn't, he didn't pick what she wanted. And I think that's ridiculous, man. That's absolutely fucking bullshit. And I think Fournette's mom, wasn't it Fournette's mom? That did that to him when he went to uh, went to LSU instead of Bama. It might not have been Fournette's mom. It might have been another mom. But somebody went to LSU instead of Bama, and his mom fucking lost her shit on the guy in na- on national TV and walked off too. And I just think these parents need to just realize that that's not their life, man. Just because you're a fan of some college team, that's where your son needs to go. It didn't fit him. He wanted to go to a to Florida because Florida is, is becoming a big time passing offense with Mullen. That's what Mullen's he's he's a passing guy. He's a guru when it comes to the spread and Copeland wants to get his numbers up. So mm-hmm. he's there. Like he knows when he goes to ba- Bama, he's end up like Calvin Ridley. Like it, Calvin Ridley is a hell of a receiver. He may be one, an amazing receiver in the NFL, but if you look at his stat line at Bama, I mean he's not he's not even in the top fifty probably in receptions. And uh, touchdowns, and you know that's because he went to Alabama, where he, you know, it's been a limited offense. Uh, they run first, you know, like even uh, Julio had a pedestrian stat line at Alabama, you know. And look at Julio when he got to the NFL; everybody knew what he was. But Copeland, you know, he wanted to, he wanted to produce on the field. He wanted to get receptions. He wanted to be the guy. And he felt like he fit there in Florida. And actually, he committed to Florida before uh, McElwain got fired. And then he opened his recruitment back up and his mom was like hounding him to go to Bama. And I guess just at the end of the day, these parents do, they got to realize that you just got to let your kids live their own lives and you can't treat them like shit and alienate them. I, he just looks so damn sad on TV that his mom just walked off and he can barely speak as it is. And he can barely, he can barely shell out a, you know, shell out a coherent thought on why his mom left. And they're trying to ask him like, Who's that that left you? You know, is she upset that you didn't go to Alabama and all this other shit. I'm just like, leave the kid alone. You know, I just feel bad for yeah. these kids that have to deal with it's that kind to of be pressure. He's all right. Your moment, you know. Yeah, and that's a that's the thing. These these parents, man, they think they run these kids' lives, and they and it's like an extension of themselves. And it's just like, you raised them, you you did your part, and now it's time for them to become men you know they're leaving high school they're going to college this is what they're going to do for the rest of their life and so you know copeland probably try, you know has aspirations of going to the nfl and shit so he let him choose where he feels most comfortable to make those strides in life and that's like it, it reminds me of like when my son he, he loves their wrestle now he loves wrestling imagine that right and uh I took him towards the end of this, this wrestling season to eastwood where my, one of my best friends is ben lonis he was a state champ in high school and I talked to Ben all the time and I'd take uh, Braxton over and wrestle. He'd always wrestle around with Ben's son, Brennan in the, uh, in the living room and stuff there. And, 
you know, I decided, you know what, Braxton, he's pretty naturally gifted at this stuff. It's like, let's take him there. So I took him to one practice and he liked it, but he's my, my son, you know, doesn't pay attention for shit at the time. So he didn't learn very much. So I took him to the wrestling tournament at Eastwood and he won all three of his matches, three and oh, first tournament of his entire life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Actually, he lost his very last match in overtime. So he went three and one. He got to wrestle four matches that day. And uh, he shouldn't have lost. He lost because he, when he threw the kid down, he went, instead of taking him down, he literally just let him up instead of keeping him down. He let him up with like one second left, and it went to overtime. He lost. But instead of me, oh. you should see these parents there. My point, the whole point of the story is you should see these damn parents there screaming at their kids at the top of their lungs, do it, no, turn him, take him down, what are you doing, blah, 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 just screaming at eight-year-olds and seven-year-olds, I'm just like, holy shit, like, in these kids, you can tell, like, I have an eye for talent when it comes to wrestling, and you just tell it, like, these kids do not, are just not naturally gifted at this sport, and if they're going to be good at wrestling, they're going to they're gonna be at the, they're going to have to be those kids that, like, work their dicks off, you know what I mean? There's some kids mm-hmm. that are just really good, they have that natural feel for wrestling, so they barely... They barely have to put in the work compared to like their peers that are just not naturally gifted and they have to work their ass off to, to really get that get to that sport, uh, the highest level of that sport. And uh, these kids are just not that. But their parents are just treating them like complete shit because they're getting taken down and they're seven years old in a middle school gym. You know what I mean? Like it just blew my mind. So then I take Brex into Elmwood Wrestling Tournament the next week, and uh, he went one and two. He he won. He won one match and lost two matches. And instead of screaming at him, I told him how proud I was that he, you know, gave his effort and we'll just have to work hard. I didn't, I didn't give him participation ribbon. I told him, hey, man, you know, you lost. This is what, why you lost. Uh, we can work on this. If you want to work on it, do you want to keep wrestling? And he's like, I love wrestling, Dad. I want to keep working. And, he's like, and he even apologized to me for losing. He goes, I'm sorry I lost, that." And I told him, I was like, look, buddy, you don't need to be apologizing for losing. I was like, you're, you're five years old, man. You have your whole life ahead of you. And I go, if you're ready to be good at this sport, eventually you're going to be good at this sport. It's in your blood. You're an athletic little five-year-old kid. It'll happen. Daddy's very proud of you. And I think that, you know, that's the way you got to do things. Like, even in high school, man, you just got to let your kids know that you're proud of them and let them know that you care enough about their, you know, growth that you're not going to hinder it by treating them like shit because you want them to be a certain way. And uh, I'm I'm totally against participation ribbons, so I don't want people to th- tell their kids it's okay to fail all the time. It's okay to tell them that it's okay to lose. Let's find a way to win, right? Mm-hmm. That's how I am. Braxton, you're five years old. It's okay to lose right now. We'll eventually find a way to win, you know. And if you don't want to do it anymore, we'll keep we'll find something else for you to do that you excel at. And I think that's you know positive reinforcement, but with a with a one track mind to, to success. And that's, the, and that's the way that I want to raise my children. I think that's more or less the proper way to do it. I, I'm not going to tell everybody how to raise their kids and there's other ways to do it. I can tell that's, you, I think that's, I think that's probably the best way to do it because I was never taught it's okay to lose. So I got, I would get so competitive that I would become like such a fucking obnoxious brat if I was going to lose. Cause I just didn't know how to deal with losing. Yeah, man. Like all I cared about I, was winning and everything. Yeah, I, I, and and well, it was like with baseball. Do you remember when I was when I was on your team when we were like in fourth grade? Remember how terrible I was? 
That was horrible. I remember the worst yeah, player you, in the you entire that team. Great. I mean, you, I mean you, you weren't that bad. I mean, you had a lot of speed, uh, and you did a good job. Yeah, but, you, you would make contact. I was like, not like you went up there and struck out every time. No, yeah, but I was still pretty shitty. I was definitely – I was that player that rode the pine for the first couple innings, and I finally got out in, like, right field. That was with you. It wasn't, you know, until a few few uh, years later that I sh- a lot of kids would have quit because I didn't play as much and, you know, all my friends mm-hmm. were better than I was. And finally, uh, I was playing, you know, your your best friend, Reed. I finally got on the big orange team with his dad, and I just clicked one year, and I just had an amazing year. And I ended up, you know, moving to third base and catcher, and I was just cranking the fuck out of the ball. I went from, like, one of the worst hitters, and I started batting cleanup. <laughs> You know, and I, and just from that year on, dude, I was just a, a pretty hell of a good baseball player. And it was just, things just got to click, man. My parents weren't mean to me about being shitty. And my dad didn't, even even my shitty dad didn't freaking be mean to me about it. He just still played catch with me. And I was you know, still throwing balls to my brother in the yard. And, you know, nobody ever really gave me shit. And wrestling, like, you know, how, you remember me in wrestling when we were kids. And I won every fucking tournament I probably ever went to, you know, as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, in national scene going far and stuff and only losing a few matches here and there. And when I did lose, man, I would cry. And my parents would tell me, stop crying. It's okay. You know, they never gave me shit about losing. It never made me feel like they didn't love me as much because I lost a wrestling match, even though they were used to me winning. And so I, I grew up like that. So I, I, the one thing I wish that <clears throat> I had a little bit more growing up, um, was a little bit more pressure to be better. So I think that's where I was talking earlier about that mixture of it's always good to have, let them know it's okay to lose, but still put a little bit of pressure on them to kind of evolve and, and, uh, you know, work harder, you know, and, and not take it, you know, everything for granted and not just take the loss and give up, you know, I wish that I had a little bit more shove in the back but I'm, I am happy that they didn't make me feel worthless for losing when I did lose. So, you know, it's a, it's a catch 22 on that. So if you can find that perfect medium, you know, that perfect medium to push them without making them feel like their life is going to be over if they fail you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And these parents, man, they're just giving up, they're getting up and leaving their kid's side on national television because they didn't make the right choice that you, they thought was the right choice. That's just, that's just petty bullshit. And that's not, that can't be a healthy relationship at home, you know? Oh, I'm totally with you. I mean, who knows what those uh, schools promise those kids too? You know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because you know, maybe that maybe that some booster at Bama promised mom a new little crib there. You know. Yeah. You never or you never know. They went on a college visit and uh, a recruiter got uh, the kid fucking laid by like four whores. You know. He's like, ah, yeah, this is my school. I remember Miami with Damn. all like the fucking stripper bus, stripper boats and shit. Yeah, Vikings had a stripper boat too. <laughs> <laughs> that shit, they spent like eighty thousand dollars in one night on a stripper yacht. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty just, sure Miami that's, that's used like athletic funds to like pay for girls' abortions and shit. <laughs> oh hell yeah. I know that one of the two live crew rappers was like paying for shit for kids, like to get get, Mm -hmm. to go there. Luther something, Luther something. What the hell is his name? Luther something. He was two live crew. Pop that pussy. Hey, pop that pussy. Yeah. Hey, it looks like there's going to be a. a, 
Yeah, whatever. Hey, just for our listeners, there's going to be a government shutdown that will begin at midnight tonight because Senator Rand Paul holds up the vote. <laughs> awesome. Good job, buddy. Yep, he he's against uh, adding extra spending. He did have – all right, I don't want to get too political, but I'll give him some credit. He, he had something important to say that having all this deficit spending – you guys were all against it when Obama was president, but now you don't give a shit when, as a Republican, when Trump's president. Like, as long as it's your deficit spending. You know what I mean? No, that's not true. I don't want a bunch of deficit well, That's just what he was either. saying. That was part of what he was saying. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's against... Hey, man, I'm not saying... And he wants smaller government in general anyway, but that's the, the primary yeah. reason as a libertarian. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I don't want to get too political either. It's yeah. interesting that both parties are kind of cut from the same cloth. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's very they're they're more alike than they think they are. I will admit that they're more alike. Uh, I I've noticed a lot more stark differences, like in the last few years, but uh, like. This they they both have their own overarching goals of, uh, you know, spend money for your causes. It's not really about the same ideals. Yeah, if that makes sense. So, all right. Well, uh, before we wrap things up, I did have a couple gems that I did promise. So, let's get those rolling real quick. All right. All right. So in today's edition of Hems Gems, we are absolutely going to be posting the Isaiah Thomas Cavs tribute video. You will not want to miss this. Let me double check on the length of it. It is only 54 seconds long. It is gold. So please check that out. <laughs> it will be on the At Odds Facebook page. And I hope that they post it as well on the Belly Up Sports Facebook page because it is fucking hilarious uh and then uh i'll just give a shout out to the two bands i saw headline the last two shows i went to in the past week uh, star set i will post a video for their song monster that was pretty popular right now and then for nothing more they've got a bunch of really big songs out in the past couple years but i'll post uh the one from I'll either post go to war or maybe fade and fade out. I don't know. Whatever I'm in the mood for with nothing more. They have a bunch of really good shit. I will post <laughs> those three things on our Facebook page for the at odds podcast. So those are my gems for the week. I'm trying to not get stuck in a rut picking Netflix shows every time. So this time it's music and a hilarious, funny video. So that'll do it for me. Huh. It right, is buddy. now, yeah, eleven thirty-five p.m. So, yeah, let's let's get to bed. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm an old man. Some more. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go write. I'm gonna finish up some blogging. I wrote a couple of blogs that I just scrapped because I just didn't like them. And hey, I, I don't. I've know. been I there, man. Do... Yeah, 
You know, I, I, I think it's, I'm at that point where like, I like my writing and I want it to be, you know, I want everything to be good. You know what I mean? I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to throw out some shit. Don't be too and, much of a perfectionist, but it's okay no, to and, scrap and something that, that you don't think is quality. Yeah. And that's, I think I'm going to start running them by you and have you, and have you edit it and see what you think. Yeah, I trust absolutely. your opinion. Yeah. You can send yeah, them my way no. to, for me to take a look. I'd be more than happy to uh, share my opinion on some things. I mean, there's different styles for different things. Like I'm not going to edit it like uh, like it's for a newspaper because it's, I mean, that's just no, completely different. No, <laughs> <laughs> no um, just to make sure I'm not overlooking anything. Yeah. So, so I thought that. All right. Uh, well, you guys can check out the at odds podcast facebook page our soundcloud channel our youtube channel and where do you want them to check out all of our belly up sports stuff uh at belly up sports twitter belly up sports facebook and bellyupsports.com we got all our blogs on there all your, you can click on our newest podcast on soundcloud up there we have an odds uh, maker on there that tells you all the odds of all the games that are playing for that day and the scores of the games while they're playing uh, we have uh, um, the other uh, bar down bar down radio, which is uh, the hockey podcast that we have from uh, a couple of the other guys on staff, and uh, you know we got all kinds of shit that's on there, and, and you can drop in to sign up for a newsletter, so that means like weekly updates of you know what we got coming up, and uh, you can you know get your our blogs uh, directly emailed to you if you sign up for that. Uh, there's a contact us if you want to, if you're interested in blogging for us and yeah, you know, anything, if you want to get contact us for anything at all, go ahead and contact us. So yeah, we're good. Awesome. So that'll do it for today's show. How do you want to roll out? You want to, you know, Rick roll some bitches. You want to bag Raiders or you want to keep going with some mech man? <laughs> what do you want to do? Dude, that mega man was so sick. I just want that to be our permanent yeah. almost. <laughs> Dude, I love Mega Man. What's Mega Man? That's the best the best video game uh, song ever. <laughs> get Mega Man, bitches. <laughs>